watching all movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here comes the binge. Hey everybody, welcome to the Binge Movie Podcast, uh, where a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases from our own queer-ass perspectives. My name is Jason Leroy. My name is Rebecca Olarte, and today Jason has a treat for us. I do. Uh, so I was recently uh, had the great fortune and privilege to sit down with none other than Miss Sally Afield. What? As well as the amazing Michael Showalter. What? Yes. It was at once. It was almost too much to take. <laughs> and it was to talk about their incredible new movie, Hello, My Name is Doris. Let's play a, let's play a clip from the movie. Great. You guys know Doris. She's kind of weird. She's like a good weird. What about you, Doris? You ever been in love? I was engaged once. Really? He got a job in Arizona, and he asked me to go with him. I couldn't leave my mother. It would have killed her. I'm, so, I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm awake It's like somebody stole my friend and replaced her with a wild animal. <laughs> These people have really welcomed me into the world. Can you be honest with yourself? He's barely old enough to vote. You're just jealous because I'm having fun and doing things with other people and not just you. Your husband died 15 years ago. Move on. You have packets of duck sauce in your refrigerator from the 1970s. It keeps. So Hello, My Name is Doris is uh, it's a very affectionate kind of cringe comedy about a character who could probably best be described as a spinster. Technically speaking, she's a spinster. Uh, her name is Doris. She's played by Sally Field. She is in her 60s. And her mother, who she has dedicated her life to taking care of while her brother went off and built a life for himself, uh, has just died. And she finds herself having sort of a intensely delayed adolescence. Mm. Uh, so she's she's never she's never really gone out and and lived life for herself. She's always been taking care of her mother, and uh, and now here she is um, alone for the first time. And uh, and what happens to her is that she kind of accidentally becomes a hipster. <laughs> uh, she lives on I believe Staten Island, and uh, she works at a fashion uh, brand that's being rebooted with like all these trendy new people being brought in to like show everyone the ropes and show everyone how to be cool. And a new art director is brought in in the form of Max Greenfield. From the New Girl. From New Girl. And she, understandably, gets the all-over hots for him. Mm -hmm. uh, Because he is very charming and very flirty. And she is just, it just kind of brings her to life in in, in a way. And so she starts looking for ways to spend time with him. They become friends. Uh, She falls in with his circle of, like, Williamsburg hipstery people. This movie, it does do the hipster joke thing, even though I think we all know it's an old joke. Very old joke. But it's still, it's a funny, it's a funny, it's a funny approach to take to it, to have it be about this older woman who sort of, like, just kind of never stopped dressing like a teenager from the 50s or 60s. -hmm. And then they just look at him and they're like, oh, you're cool. And she's like, oh? And she just has no idea what's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, and they kind of welcome her into their arms. But she is, you know, she's kind of suffering emotionally from rest of development, and uh, and she is just going going to go through all the bumps and bruises that any teenager goes through, um, except for she's going through it about fifty years later than most. Sounds fun. Yeah, it's a great, it's a really really good movie. Um, is really really delightful. So it's really cool that I got to talk to these two folks about a movie that I really enjoyed. Uh, so I wasn't bullshitting them. Um, <laughs> and I genuinely was interested in it. And uh, for, the, for those of you who are not familiar with Michael Showalter, 
He first became uh, well-known through being in The State, and, uh, and then on into Stella, and Wet Hot American Summer, and, uh, and he, is, he wrote and directed this movie. He's not in the movie. Uh, he is the writer-director of, of this film. It's, a, it's based on a short, and, uh, and he was able to get Sally Field as his leading lady. So uh, the first bit of this interview that we're going to play for you guys uh, is not technically the interview, uh, but it's A, just entertaining <laughs> to listen to, and B, it kind of gives you some perspective on what these people go through on their way to promote their movies. So Sally and Michael had just flown in from L.A., and they had a very, very arduous journey to get to us at the hotel in San Francisco. And, uh, and so what you're going to hear now is, is, is them just still not being over it and just needing to, <laughs> needing to just let it out and vent about the many mishaps that they endured on their way just to sit with us and talk about their movie. Sat on the plane for a while because it was like the steering wheel was broken. Like literally, <laughs> like literally they were like, our steering wheel was broken. It's like, oi, oi, oi. We, yeah, we were one airlines, and then that was canceled, and then we stood there not knowing, and they said, okay, now run over to the next airlines. We we took our luggage and walked, walked all the way around to the other, totally well, we the other side of the, the airport. Terminal. And then I walked us right out of the terminal. Yeah, but no, we had to go through security that was like, they were, I mean, he was having to talk. He said, just take it easy. Take it easy. (laughs) I was like literally asking them to spell out their names. She's one of those people who gets mad at the security. No, I mean, because it was outrageous. It was outrageous. Outrageous. There's nothing, like, this is one of these things where it's like, it was outrageous. First, we went through the little thing. We had all the clothes up. Do you know who I am? Oh, my God. Do you know who I am? literally was outrageous. The pat down was not to be believed. A yeah, pat down yeah. after I did this? Well, I mean, the, what is the pat down about? Have, I've got well, no clothes. I literally almost had to stop me from taking all my clothes off and saying, how's that? <laughs> I mean, can I go through now? Everyone I, in the entire airport, <laughs> except for the woman who gave her the pat down, knew who she was. <laughs> yeah, it didn't matter. It was like, everyone's but like, what are you doing? It didn't matter. <laughs> if there was some reason to do that, I'd just been through the other thing. I mean, what was the, okay, then we did that. Then we had, we had a gate. It didn't exist. There was no gate. There was gate didn't exist. We're wandering around. I mean, literally walking everywhere through construction. This gate doesn't exist. Then Michael sees the sign and says, "It goes. It's this way." And we went down the escalator. Okay, it's down this way. And then we're walking down this hallway. It looks like okay, this is it. This is it. And we walk right through this door. And this man's like, "Okay, fine." And then okay, there's fine. just like a door that leads. Right and then outside. it's a door right through the door, like walking through that door. And then we stopped dead still, four steps out of it. And we realize, oh my God, we're in the ticketing area. And we turn around and look at it, it says, do not enter, you know. They, <laughs> and and we, then we went back to them and I said, oh, wait, 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 sir, we just walked out of here. Do you see us? We just, this is, this is us, like four steps. He said, I'm sorry, you have to go all the way around. We said, we have to go through security again. There's something of a line, I'm guessing. You have to go through. I was like, it actually went to be tied. Very, no, luckily, no, very you're being with. so kind. The second this, time? It went, ki- because no one bothered to tell us as we went through that security line. We weren't even in the right area. Right, the first time. We, we went through that security. Our gate didn't exist there. Someone could have said, you know what, this Delta this has two. You were yeah, <laughs> Delta has two entrances. You have to go, you take, go, get out of here, go through the next, ter- we had to go to another terminal. No one could have said that to us. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> I just had a moment. I, I, I had a moment. When I go to the airport, I die inside. Oh, like, I, I also. get inside and it could Because then he you was could, like, you wand, could, he was sort you of could do water, waterboard me. Or anything. Like, I'm like, it's I'm like, like, I'm literally just, I go away. I go away and nothing phases me. It's a limbo nice place. Yeah, totally. Because I, I've done the like get upset about it thing, mm-hmm. and it never gets, it never accomplishes anything. Well, it was about, it was about to be. <laughs> well, and then we get on the plane after all that. We yeah, get on the plane, the... and they're literally like, "Ladies and gentlemen, we have an announcement: the steering wheel is stuck." Or we have, like a, we have, a, we need to get a new steering wheel. <laughs> so Michael, I, would, never heard I said, that "How about it, Michael?" I just think that something's saying to us. We yeah, need don't, to, don't take We need it. to not fly. <laughs> we need to not be doing this. Yeah. I think it's like forget it. Mm-hmm. But then we were on the plane; they wouldn't let us off. So. This is as good as anything we would get. Right? All of our questions were about your community. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they were. Yeah, well, so thank you for, thank you for letting me vent. I feel so much better. What kind of a scone did you get? You said you got Is that a blueberry or an allberry? I'm assuming this is going to be the Q&A later tonight. will be all about this as well. So it's good. It's going to kind of push out. Well, a little spitfire. She and Sally Field was fired up. She was not <laughs> fucking having it. She is that lady who will throw a tantrum at the airport. So as you guys can hear, we were lucky to even get them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if Sally Field had her druthers, they would have marched off that plane and never <laughs> come to San Francisco. But fortunately, the airplane locked the doors and forced them up. <laughs> and so this interview exists. Uh, in this next clip, uh, Sally Field talks a little about the uh, how she came to this movie, uh, what she was drawn to about the character, and uh, and about working with Michael. Well, when I read the screenplay, I I, I, I loved it. I loved it, and um, I said to my agents, even though they didn't say that to Mr. Showalter right away, but I said I I, I want to do this. I want to do this, and they, of course, said, well, I want you should meet Michael and you know see if you like him. What if you don't like him? Um, and we met whenever it was, a week later or two weeks later. I think it, I might have been in New York that month. That might be true. And immediately, I, I um, you know, he, he, he said, look, I had some, you know, there were some questions, some things. It was about the, the you comedy. Know, we, we were dressing the, the comedy. comedy. We were dressing how you can blend both those arenas. Because The big question for her was like, how are you going to do this? sort of slapstick screwball comedy stuff the, the pump the ball pumping scene or the da- you know the dancing and you know there's a lot of just classic sort of screwball comedy mm-hmm. with this really intense sad person stuff. yeah 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 and, 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 have it, and, and my have answer both was like valid. I'm just gonna have to like I don't want to like I don't want to water either one down to make it a fine line like I want the comedy to be to go all the way and want to like we we're going to play every level as loud as as we or as soft as we want we're not going to try to but 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 she did ultimately map out a way to sort of like well she's like crying in this scene but it's not the same kind of crying as she's doing in this scene or like if you watch you know if you I see now it's like you know she's uh, crying her eyes out in that scene where she gets drunk mm-hmm. but it's a sort of very self sort of like Almost um, dra- dramatic, feeling sorry feeling for herself, herself. kind of crying, and then in the scene, obviously, where with where the fan, where the brother-in-law comes over to the house, and that, that's like a different kind of crying. That's like crying from from all the way deep down in her. Mm-hmm. And so it was all about figuring out all these different shades of the character and how to piece it all together so that we weren't repeating ourselves. And so that that was interesting. Did did you feel in watching the movie that there the movie plays both ends 
in a very extreme way? Yeah, it really, uh, I don't know about an extreme way, but it kind of does. You know, the, the watching the movie in the beginning, I was a little worried that the movie was going to be making fun of the character of Doris. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it became clear as it went on that it was more sympathetic to her. And then you're just kind of like, ooh, just don't be mean to her. Please just don't be mean to her. Right. But the movie does not give her an easy way out. Uh, like it is not, uh, it's not a fantasy. Uh, it really, it really isn't. So it does play like it is very funny at times. It's incredibly cringy uh, at oh. others, and uh, and it also has you know moments of like real poignant catharsis. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Sally Field's performance kind of has to guide all of that because it all goes around her. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and in true Sally Field form, she leaves it all on the stage. Yeah. Uh, so this next one is me. <laughs> so this was a, this was a small round table. There were just a handful of us, but we did not have a lot of time, and we lost about five minutes to the airport story. <laughs> right. <laughs> from our twenty minutes that we were given overall. Uh, so this is actually the only full question that I got out during our time together. But they actually gave by far. You're about to hear the longest answer out of this entire uh, this entire sit down because uh, uh, it gave them some food for thought. And then someone else asked a follow up question for me a bit later. So that's oh, nice. nice. So first of all, I just want to say that I feel like I've had a one side romance with Max Greenfield ever since New Girl came on. So the movie kind of hit almost too close to home. <laughs> uh, I was like, oh, the struggle is real. Um, but uh, one of the things that struck me while I was watching the film was that it seemed like a really perfect antidote to the kind of issue that was addressed in the Inside Amy Schumer sketch uh, that gave that shout out to you and your career arc. And uh, I was wondering if that was part of the appeal of this character. It was like, here's this woman who is not defined as a wife, as a mother, uh, who really is having this amazingly, uh, you know, she's discovering her vitality, really, coming into it. What was the question? Oh, uh, if, uh, if, if the, part of the appeal of the character of Doris was that it was not the sort of, it was not a, a mother character. It was well, not... I, you know, the, appe- the, the appeal of the, of the screenplay um, and, and, and the character wasn't in, a, in, in that it's a not. Right, yeah. It was in that it was. Mm-hmm. Um, it was um, such a unique person, a, a real, potentially, if we could do it together, potentially three-dimensional uh, character that um, really talked about um, how there are all these stages in life and people always think, well, the, you know, there's a childhood stage and we know what kind of development goes on there and you don't know where to put your feet down because you're a child. And then there's adolescence and awkward and how do you know the first sexuality and oh my goodness and everyone knows what a tough stage that is. And then there's young adulthood and you've got you know, relationships and children and career and how do you, where do you put your... But the thing is, is those stages go on. Isn't, they don't end in young adulthood, and, and mm-hmm. they go on into your 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s. Every one of them is this new place that you arrive. And when you're older, you, you, you lose the ability or the society you know, doesn't let you feel, I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know where to put my feet. I'm brand new, and I'm too old to be this new. And I, that is, in a lot of ways, what, what this film is. She has... Arrested development, yes. And she's in her 60s and having a kind of adolescence, kind of a a birth of her own voice, her own vision of who she is, uh, of what she wants. Um, It has to do with with, um, her mother passing away, and so her life is just changing, whether she wants it to or not. 
And um, that is something that I really, you know, really responded to, as well as the, as the fact that age is such a weird thing inside, whether you're 20 or 30, 40, 50, 60. You're still, this, you're still who you are. Who you are is lodged there. And human beings need to make contact with other human beings. And sometimes they don't match, you know, chronologically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if, if I'd been a man and he'd been female, mm-hmm. it... Um, Dirty Grandpa. I would have been. I saw yeah, that. That's what I. I said. It would have been an Audrey Hepburn movie. You know. There's a there's a line from. This has occurred to me while while Sally was talking. There's a line from the movie Great Gardens mm-hmm. where the mother mm-hmm. is in bed and the daughter is doing something and the mother says something to the effect of "I lived my life." Mm-hmm. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Know, yeah. That line. Right. You know I, what I'm talking I about? lived it, masticated it. Yeah. Is that what she says? Yeah. She says masticated. Yeah. But I mean, she, yeah. The, the basic gist of it is. is Edie's there doing something, and the mother's like, I live my life. And the implication was, like, I may be crazy and living and alone in this crazy house with a million cats, Mm -hmm. but she's even worse. Mm -hmm. Because I actually had a life. I didn't start living this way until I got way older. But Edie, Edie never even did, Edie never even had a life. Mm -hmm. Like, Edie never even did stuff. I did stuff. So I have an excuse to be this way. And it's it's so sad for Edie because and you see Edie hear that piece of information and be like, you know, like because it's such a dig at her. Mm-hmm. It's like what, what and and that that line resonated for me and is a lot of that is in this story. It's mm-hmm. like what Doris sacrificed for the mother. Mm-hmm. And what Doris sacrificed for the mother is her whole life. Oh, I mean, it wasn't just that. I think you learn in the brother scene that it was like there's gender politics and this was, these were not areas the movie was necessarily ever going to delve too deeply into, but it was very real. But also I think that, you know, I always thought that Doris was predisposed to to, yes. be, a, to be a hider anyway. Yeah. So that, you know, we had talked about it, that mm-hmm. I always saw the mother as being, you know, a big personality, you know, that took all the air out of the room. And mm-hmm. so it, Doris got smaller and smaller behind the, the weight of this, who, who her mother was, and, uh, and that her mother was much more of a hoarder, and she would bring this stuff, you know, to please her mother. But there was an a injured part of Doris that preferred to hide, I preferred to hide, you know, and she preferred to, you know, and, and and there's, I recognize that, and sometimes, um, you know, it takes a change like this to force you out of your own envelope, uh, out of your own comfort zone, it's time to go, it's time to move on, and uh, so I don't, I don't think she's like a victim within it, because I think there were I think in a lot of ways she was predisposed to be this way, mm-hmm. and and they were her choices. She could have walked away. Yeah. You know, yeah. she could have yeah. like said, you know what, mom, let's see if I can earn enough money and I'm going to yeah. get somebody to look in on you now and then because I got some dating to do. You know, right. um, but she chose not to for a reason, and that's yeah. because it served her. You know, the part Fear. of her that couldn't couldn't heal. You know, well, that hits close. Um, people do build themselves in situations that are mm-hmm. convenient for them and allow them to live in their fears. Mm-hmm. Um, very poignant, very yeah, very interesting clip. No, it's, it's very, I mean, it's very complex stuff. And, and clearly, Sally Field is very, uh, very passionate about this character mm-hmm. and, uh, and has, you know, given a lot of thought and insight into who she is and why she is. 
but I will say that I like slaved over the wording of that question so <laughs> long. What question? I was like, how do I bring up the inside Amy Schumer thing to right. her? Because I'm like, I, I'm like, I had. I had like so many fucking questions prepared for this interview. And then when I started to realize like, oh, I'm not going to be able to ask very many. I was like, what one do I care about the most? I really wanted to get her thoughts on the Inside Amy Schumer sketch, the mm-hmm. la- last fuckable day. Um, which for those of you who have not seen it or need a refresher, uh, there is a, in the season three premiere of Inside Amy Schumer, there's a sketch where Amy happens upon a gathering in the woods of, uh, of Tina Fey, Julie Louis-Dreyfus, and Patricia Arquette. And um, and they explain to Amy that they are celebrating Julia's last fuckable day, which is the day on which sort of the men who decide such things decide that you are no longer fuckable, that you're no longer romantically viable. And Amy is, you know, like, she's like, what are you talking about? That is that a thing? And then Tina Fey is like, remember how Sally Field played Tom Hanks's love interest in Punchline and then his mom and Forrest Gump like five minutes later? <laughs> uh, so, and then they we show... also see that Sally Field was, was here. here. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So she, she is sort of their, their prime example for that. And I was torn over how to approach the subject yeah, because like, cause the joke is not at her expense mm-hmm. in that sketch. But, you know, she is their, their prime example. And it's not a, a flattering thing to be an example for. Right. So I was, like, thinking, okay, like, I think it's going to be about how this character is not, you know, she is. It's a story about this woman who is, she has this, it's all about her romantic life. It's not about her family. It's mm-hmm. about her standing up for herself and being her own person for the first time. And she has, you know, it's all about her potential romance with Max Greenfield. And the movie really kind of plays with, like, how much he is or isn't reciprocating that. Right. And uh, and so I was like, okay, I think it's that. If I could go back and change the wording a little bit, I think I would have, like, said something like, you know, in all due respect to these amazing mother roles. Amy Schumer! <laughs> um, you know, because, you know, because Sally, and then, I don't know how many things in my life have made my blood run cold as much as Sally looking at me and saying like, I'm sorry, what's the question? I'm like, Oh, <laughs> I'm like, Oh no. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, I did too much buildup. I didn't really have a clear question in that. <laughs> um, so, you know, and then, uh, and then I, you know, gave her just enough for her to be like, Oh, well, no, not that. I'm like, Oh God damn it. Um, so, but I was obviously very happy with the exchange that followed mm-hmm. and I couldn't I mean I like shit my pants when Michael Showalter started making that little itty bitty right? Grey Gardens <laughs> that analogy came out of nowhere. I'm like how is this a straight man <laughs> like hallelujah that Michael Showalter uh, is able to just like summon this like really perfect poignant Grey Gardens sure. well I mean he's a, com- he's a professional comedian he's, he's gotta be very familiar with Grey Gardens right? No, I mean I don't know that that's like a comedy film you know but I mean I think that he I, I think you know the average comic doesn't buzz, you know, but you know, straight male comic doesn't bust out lots of references to the Beals, but except Bill Hader and uh, <laughs> yes, uh, well, they're 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 yes, yes, on documentary now, yeah, they did they did that, but I feel like they're, I mean, Fred Armisen also does Portlandia, so he has a much more sort of like rarefied, <laughs> rarefied aesthetic about like what his his references are, but, right? Um, but no, I think there and there is a strong how, one way to think about Hello, My Name Is Doris is that it sort of is a story like if. Big Edie were to have died well while um while little E was still sort of like young enough to go back out there and try to like seize the day. Mm-hmm. Uh that's sort of the story that we see. Um but she's also but she's not quite as crazy as little Edie was. 
Uh, but uh, but yeah, so that was that was all very cool and very nice. And we will come back to the question of Inside Amy Schumer a bit later in the interview. Uh, but first up, we're going to hear from Michael Showalter about his influences in comedy and how he struck the right tone uh, between funny but not mean funny in Hello, My Name is Doris. Well, I mean, the movies that I love, comedies I love, were not mean-spirited. I grew up on... Um, I grew up on the comedies of the 70s and, and early 80s, which are silly and Steve Martin movies and uh, Python and and um, Woody Allen and Airplane. Like, my, my comedic sensibility is really just silly and light um, and broad physical comedy. I love, um, you know... Slipping on a banana peel, stuff like that. Like I, you know, um, so that's always been my sensibility. It's just like I just really like silliness, and so um, I don't know. I, I, I don't like. I'm just. I mean, I'm. I'm not a. I don't know how to say any of that. That's just my sensibility. I don't think about it in terms of it's in reaction to something. It's just my own mm-hmm. aesthetic. Mm-hmm. It's my own aesthetic. So he's done Wet Hot American Summer. That mm-hmm. was silly. Um, Very silly in both the movie and the TV series on Netflix. Oh, right. I didn't finish the TV series, um, um, but no, I need to. It's I on my list. It. It, ends, it ends well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that sort of rings true. I, I don't think of his material as being very mean. Yeah. And certainly Wet Hot American Summer was, you know, influenced by those those early 80s, mm-hmm. you know, camp comedies like Meatballs and things like that. Right. So, you know, so you can kind of see him working through those references in that work. And uh, yeah, so I think no one who has seen the stuff he's done over the years would ever think that, oh, that Michael Showalter, who really, you know, goes for the jugular. Uh, <laughs> no, he has a really, he has a light touch with his comedy. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think it's it's refreshing. Definitely. So up next is the follow-up question that an intrepid fellow reporter asks Sally Field about the Inside Amy Schumer sketch. And I was relieved that he brought it up, not just because she completely evaded it when I brought it up mm-hmm. um, but because he gets much more on her bad side than I did oh wow exciting uh, so and normally when we do these things I don't play other people's question asking because I don't want to like throw that out there for everyone to hear because really most journalists sound pretty clumsy when they're asking questions of these things when you read transcripts and it seems all smooth and mm-hmm. linear, like there's a lot of editing that goes into like <laughs> making it sound like you had your shit together when you asked your question. But um, but just so you can hear, just so you can feel what it must have been like to go back and forth with her mm-hmm. um, uh, on this, uh, I'm going to play the full audio of this exchange. Juicy. Okay, so uh, he brought up earlier a line that was on the Amy Schumer comedy show inside mm-hmm. Amy Schumer on Comedy Central. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know... I mean the skit she did with... Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. I um, well, uh, the last... Last fuckable day. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, exactly. Go ahead and right, say so it. So you're, you're aware. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the line she used was 10 minutes later. In reality, it was six years later. But, um, and you know, I think you brought up a really interesting point there with like the double standard of this film and Bad Grandpa. But do you feel like that is still an issue in the film business today? And um, is this something that has changed in Hollywood since the 80s? 
I'm not sure what the question is. That that uh, women of age uh, really uh, are are uh, be become less and less of value. That is almost yes. That's. That's Do you feel a, like that perception is accurate? Of course, I feel like that's that's accurate in show business and accurate in most of society. Mm -hmm. uh, um, in this country, um, you know, age is um, uh, for women, not for not necessarily for men. Is is a is a, a deterrent, but um, I do think. Um, I don't, I think you have to be, you know, you have to look at the whole, if you're talking about the motion picture business, it's, it's harder for women in, in every arena, in every part of it. Um, and, and it doesn't, it's not getting, you know, exponentially better. Um, and, and then if you add any other ingredient upon being female, like um, diversity of color, uh, and then you add age, you know, you're, you've got, you know, the statistics on all of that of, of those who participate in, in whether they be in front of the camera or behind that camera are pretty horrifying, are pretty horrifying. They do not, um, you know, reflect uh, where we are in, in society. Um, but, um, you know, I think, I think the whole world has something to work on uh, as far as it comes, when it comes to um, empowering uh, and bringing women to the table in, a, in an important way and, and unless we can do that um, the, the whole world will not heal we're out of balance oof that was not cute <laughs> I mean you know it, it, it led to her speaking in very very eloquently yes. um, mm -hmm. about the subject at hand but yeah I mean she put him through the paces to get to that yeah. she's like she wasn't going to meet him halfway she's like ask your fucking question what are you asking me? Right. You know, she's like, just come out and say it. Uh, you know, like she said, go ahead and say it. Last fuckable day. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you know, she just doesn't like, and this is why Sally Field is so kick ass because she's like, and this was, this guy was similar to me in the sense that he was a white dude, probably 30s. And, uh, and, and she's just like, don't talk to me like I'm your fucking grandmother and you can't, you know, say just, if you're going to ask me about last fuckable day, ask me about last fuckable right. day. I mean, she had just been through all this with the airport. Exactly. Just get to the she point. was on edge. She has she's no time. Been. She's like, I don't even want to be here today. Right. You know, I tried to get off the plane. They wouldn't let me. And now you're like tiptoeing around a question and wanting <laughs> me to speak on it. Ask your question. Right. Would you want her to help you make you, make you feel more comfortable asking your question? Then don't right. ask the question. Right. Right. And I love his or little. Or switch, switch midstream and ask a different question like Jason. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, just, just throw it out there and then run away. <laughs> the way that I like to do with things. Uh, and I love, you know, not to like criticize a fellow, you know, journalist, but I love the way that he tried to make it sound like six years made it okay. Right. That like, it's like in actuality with six years, as if like six years is enough. Like they're they're aging at the same rate, you know. Right. So it's not like that shouldn't make a difference. Mm -mm. Um, but uh, but yeah, but ultimately, what you know, what came from that kind of awkward shuffling staggering question uh was sally field just just kicking ass so it was worth it definitely worth it and in our final audio clip from this interview uh sally field uh just talks a bit about where she pulls all of these emotions from anyone who has seen sally field in anything ever mm -hmm. knows that she just goes hard like she she plays every emotion to the hilt and she accesses an intensity that most actors can't come close to. Right. And, uh, and that's very much true of, uh, of Hello, My Name is Doris as well. Uh, so here's Sally Field thinking about, well, how do I do that? <laughs> 
I don't know. Just, just you know, I, I've, I've taken you know fifty-two years of my life to 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 understand the craft of, of acting, and uh, um, I, 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 all I can do is just what I've learned to do, and you know, all the various tools of how you how you do it, and every actor uses, you know blends and weaves and, and um, you know, crafts a performance out of um, a great deal out of who they, obviously, it comes through them, so it, of, you know, who they are. So, it's just what I do. <laughs> a genius reflecting on genius. Listen to her. It's just what I do, <laughs> and boy does she ever! Indeed. And uh, and and really, guys, I gotta tell you, she explores aspects of her craft, as she would call it, in "Hello, My Name Is Doris," in ways I have never seen her do it. Like this is so not your typical Sally Field character. Oh, really? Uh, she's so Doris. You know, she she's she's a doormat. Uh, so Sally Field does not do doormat. Right. Right. You know, Sally Field plays these these explosive, you Big. know, kick-ass characters with so much, you know, just like drive and emotion. Mm-hmm. And she plays them all so big and so resonantly. And Doris is, you know, she's a little she's a little church mouse. You know, she's 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 she couldn't be more quiet. But, you know, but then she gradually we get to see her blossom. Mm-hmm. And, you know, both and we see that there are both good and bad consequences from that because like like the like keeps being brought up, it's sort of about a woman having her adolescence for the first time fifty years too late. Right. And and it's it's a performance that's so beautiful and so special. This film is very much of a piece with movies like Grandma and I'll See You in My Dreams, uh, that give these amazing actresses of a certain age opportunity to just play a lead uh and just play the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. And uh and Sally Field absolutely comes through in this movie she is the reason to see it it's a beautiful movie but she is the reason to see it hello my name is doris is out march 18th and is rated r for language and that wraps up this interview special episode we dropped on you this week uh be sure to subscribe to us on itunes or wherever else you find podcasts you can follow jason at the jason Leroy, and i'm at fight balance our thanks to sally field and michael showalter for taking the time to sit down with us and uh, thank you for listening. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end. That's amazing. There, there goes, goes the, the binge. binge.